Welcome to this week's episode of the First Take Podcast. My name is Simon King. I'm an executive editor at First Word Pharma Plus. This week, we've changed up the format slightly. Rather than review and dig into some of the week's key news stories, we're going to look ahead to the annual meeting of the American Association for Cancer Research, which kicks off this Friday and runs over the weekend into the middle of next week. Like many major meetings and conferences at the moment, AACR this year is in a hybrid format with the in-person event taking place in New Orleans. First Word Pharma will be publishing a free daily newsletter over the course of AACR delivered directly to your inbox with our highlights from the meeting with a particular focus on oral presentations taking place between Sunday and Tuesday. You can subscribe to that newsletter via our website and there's also a link in the story promoting this episode of the podcast to the newsletter as well. So housekeeping points aside, AACR is the first major oncology focused medical meeting of the year one that I always think acts as a nice precursor to ASCO in about two months time. And AACR, in my opinion at least, has taken on a more prominent role over much of the past decade. Partly, I think, due to the sheer volume of clinical data that pharma and biotech companies are delivering, which obviously comes from the industry's considerable investment in novel cancer therapies, focused on areas like checkpoint inhibitors and CAR-T. What sets AAC apart from ASCO and the other larger cancer meetings is probably its focus on slightly earlier stage presentations. So perhaps data that is not practice changing in the near term, but certainly no less interesting. Uh, Indeed, for many, I suspect AACR provides possibly a more fascinating forum for discussion of cancer drug science and potential clinical breakthroughs. I have with me today my colleagues Virginia Lee and Michael Flanagan, who will be keeping a close eye on events over the next few days. Virginia, what's on your radar at AACR this year? One of the big things on my radar will be any advances in natural killer cell therapies or NK cell therapies. It's an area that's seeing a lot of pharma deals and startup activity because unlike T cells, NK cells don't have this risk of causing graft versus host disease or cytokine release syndrome. And the hope is that NK cell based therapies, whether they're NK cell engagers or genetically engineered CAR NK cells, could become an off the shelf option for cancer and provide a better safety and convenience profile versus T cell counterparts. So a major readout that we'll be watching on that front is updated data on Sunday from AFIMED, which made a bit of a splash at last year's AACR meeting when they disclosed early data on their NK cell engager AFM13. And the thing to look for this year will be signs of durability because NK cells have a shorter half-life, they don't proliferate quite as quickly as T cells, and that has raised some concerns over how durable an NK cell therapy can be. And then another area that I'll be watching is different strategies that companies are using to develop CAR-Ts against solid tumors. There hasn't been a lot of success in this area for a few reasons. Solid tumors are hard to reach. They're surrounded by this immunosuppressive tumor microenvironment that T-cells have trouble infiltrating. And then there's also a higher degree of target specificity needed for solid tumor CAR-Ts versus one for blood cancers. So with blood cancers, if you go off target, patients can handle a temporary depletion in healthy B cells, they'll regenerate quickly, but that's not really the case if you go off target in a solid tumor setting. 
Um, so one presentation I'll be watching in that domain is BioNTech's latest phase one data on BNT211. That's a CAR-T against a novel target, CLDN6, and they're administering this CAR-T with CARVAC, which is a CAR-T cell amplifying vaccine. It's designed to enhance the persistence of the CAR-T itself. So those data will come out on Sunday. And other companies will be going after other novel solid tumor targets. Quite a few are trying a dual targeting strategy where you have a CAR-T that's only activated if it hits two different targets simultaneously. So those are a couple of things I'll be watching. Okay, thanks, Virginia. Michael, what about you? Um, so one thing I'll be looking at uh, is a presentation on Sunday. That'll be detailed results uh, from the code break, the pivotal code break 100 study of Amgen's KRAS inhibitor, uh, Lumacras. So these data have implications, not just for Lumacras, but the, you know, the battle, uh, so to speak, with, with its nearest rival in the KRAS inhibitor space, Marathi Therapeutics. So as a backdrop, Lumacras was granted accelerated approval last May as second line monotherapy for KRAS mutated non-small cell lung cancer. And that was based on some you know, preliminary re remission data. Um, but some analysts thought the Marathi's Adagrasab had a, you know, a chance of usurping Amgen's Lumacras based on just sort of some early data cuts. Uh, since then, however, Marathi's hit some delays and uh, specifically they were not given a priority review for an NDA that was submitted earlier this year, meaning that the company will fall, you know, should a few months behind Amgen, or further behind Amgen, I should say, when the decision is expected in December. However, if that data from this Code Break 100 study from the update is, you know, very good, FDA could actually convert the accelerated approval for Lumacras into a full approval. And that means that FDA then could actually wait and ask Marathi to submit confirmatory data before getting approval of its own Adagrasab. So that could, that could be kind of interesting. And one more other earlier stage area I wanted to mention um, really quickly is next generation cytokine therapeutics. There's been a push in recent years to engineer cytokines with better binding specificity and lower tox than first generation products like recombinant IL-2, which have been around for a while, but really limited by off-target tox. Um, and we'll be watching a lot of discussion and a handful of preclinical presentations from the leading companies in that space early next week. So that's companies like Synthokine and Neolucan and Werewolf Therapeutics. Sure. And so not all readouts that we're going to be looking at are going to be positive. Of course, one study on the negative side that uh, people will probably be looking towards will come on Tuesday, and this will be the phase three Canopy 1 trial of Novartis's canakinumab. So this was run in first-line non-small cell lung cancer, and, you know, this study and sort of the development program of canakinumab more recently has felt like a bit of a Hail Mary from Novartis. You know, the company doesn't have a foothold in the IO space because it's not really a PDL one or PD1 player. So it, it felt like um, this is their way of trying to, you know, elbow their way into the, you know, the very hot immuno-oncology space. And it was based on some pad post-had hot post hoc, excuse me, data from the Cantos trial in which canakinumab was being studied for atherosclerosis. Uh, they saw some, you know, some decreased rates of cancer. So Novartis 
last October, or they ran a, a whole fleet of studies, big studies, phase three trials in the non-small cell lung cancer space. The first couple of them failed. So canakinumab failed canopy two, which was in later line patients. And then last October, Novartis reported uh, that it failed canopy one, which was in frontline patients. And so interestingly, there's a third phase three trial called canopy A in which canakinumab is being studied even earlier on in the adjuvant setting. And, you know, some analysts have sort of bent over backwards trying to find ways that perhaps, you know, it could work in this setting. So I think the canopy one data will be interesting, you know, if people can find some clues, find some reasons that perhaps can, can you have, you know, might work in this still ongoing canopy A adjuvant study. That should be interesting. Okay, excellent. So it sounds like there is a lot to look forward to this weekend. Um, before we wrap up, something I wanted to flag, um, a company that we frequently track as being very active in the oncology market and the oncology development space is AstraZeneca. They're gonna be presenting some first in human data for their next generation PARP inhibitor, which is currently known as AZD5305. Now, obviously AstraZeneca's had significant success with its marketed PARP inhibitor, which is Linpaza, which it co-markets with Merck Co. Um, most recently, that was approved in the US for the adjuvant treatment of high-risk uh, BRCA-mutated breast cancer. So it would be interesting to see um, what they continue to do in the PARP space. And I, I think another interesting data set would be the results from AstraZeneca's Phase II NEO-COS study, which is looking at the pdl one inhibitor in FIMSI with two novel agents in patients with early-stage non-small cell lung cancer. And at ESMO in September, there was impressive looking data for the same pairings um, in stage three disease. So these new results this weekend, I think the data is being presented on Monday, will give us another glimpse at oliclumab, which is um, an anti-CD37 monoclonal antibody, and um, the brilliantly named monolizumab, which is an anti-NKG, 2A monoclonal antibody. And they both look like they could be um, potentially really promising um, sort of next generation agents uh, for AstraZeneca, but we will find out more this weekend. Anyway, thanks Virginia, thanks Michael. Lots of food for thought ahead of AACR. Um, if you are interested, please do sign up for our Daily Digest newsletter. And for everyone who's listening, have a great end to the week and a relaxing weekend.